Eternal Dirtles is a podcast sponsored by Paragon City Games and supporters like you. Come to our Patreon at patreon.com slash eternaldirtles and support us. Thanks. Y'all know me, Phil B, Eternal Dirtles Legacy, hated by these net decks, banless, and those Hasbros, Wasi, Nate G, real OG, Arklet and Mavericky, cradled out the Heron's host, so give no f about Lily V. Zach C, Berserker Dude, pulls the rug on your attitude, days then waste trick, flip this Delva, swing for three with some altitude. Got bruise? We do. Metagame breakdown info too. Listen up, cause here's the show where we stack our decks like spicy news. Hello, everybody. It's Eternal Dirtles with Nathan Golia. Zach is off this week. Uh, I am joined by Phil Bleckman on airport phone. I'm on airport phone, yo. We're flying the world. We're bringing magic to the world. Where are you going, Phil? Uh, I'm actually coming back from uh, Miami. Oh, I thought you were. I thought you were going to Miami. Jeez. Well, I hope no, you I, I was there, and now I'm coming back. Yeah. Great. Hey, we're joined today by good friend of the podcast, Matt Hackbert. Matt. It's Nate and Phil. How are you? I'm doing great today. Matt, you know, I'm, I'm glad to have you back. I, I was so happy to see you in Niagara wearing your Turtle Dirtle shirt. So listen, if you guys want to get on the podcast, get an Eternal Dirtle shirt by uh, subscribing to our Patreon and then wear it at a tournament. And I will definitely bring you on the podcast. Another thing to note, Matt, is that I went, I don't know if I told you this, but I went to take a picture of you wearing your shirt and you were playing in the main event. I wasn't. And I took a picture of you, and then I realized about 30 seconds later that I was standing behind your opponent, and I clearly had a relationship with you and had just taken a picture. <laughs> so then I, like, ran off before I got accused of helping you cheat, and I sat with... Uh, <laughs> Not that Frank. my deck would have needed the help, but... <laughs> well, it was, right. well, it was funny, because, like, you know, that wasn't what happened. Actually, I don't think your opponent's hand was even in the shot, the way I took the picture, but I was like so like freaked out that I did something sketchy that I just went ran and like hid in a corner of the convention center and talked to Frankie Rodriguez for a while and basically said like I'm just gonna hang out here with like senior military officials and uh, hopefully that'll get me off the hook in case uh, in case I get accused of something untoward. You got to be careful. Frankie's an interrogator as his profession, so that could turn on you real fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm actually wearing the Eternal Dirtle shirt right now. Awesome. We don't. We don't have video, so obviously you can't see that, but you'll have to trust me. Phil, did you wear your Eternal Dirtle shirt in Miami? Dude, I've been wearing my Eternal Dirtle shirt nonstop. I wore it on the beach because I knew I was going to get the best tan. That's awesome. Yeah. Great. Um, so, Matt, let's talk a little bit about the deck you played at GP Niagara, which is you know another reason we're having you on today, is that you chose to, for one of our two legacy GPs we get per year, this one is in Niagara Falls, you live in Arizona, so you flew 2,500 miles with Cephalid Breakfast. Maybe you I could, <laughs> for some of our younger listeners, maybe you could tell them how the Ceph what the Cephalid Breakfast deck is first. All right, so Cephalid Breakfast is a blue-white with a very, very light black splash um, combo deck. And it's kind of, uh, it's it's got what I call an A combo and a B combo. 
So the A combo is where we take one of the creatures from the Tempest block called the Encores, and they have an ability that says zero colon. The next time damage will be dealt to this creature, deal it, or the next time, the next one damage will be dealt to this creature, deal it to target creature instead. That's the rough Oracle text. Um, then the other creature in the A combo is Cephalid Illusionist, which is an uncommon or a common, I forget which, from Torment that says, has two abilities. It's a 1-1 one, one for one and a blue. It says, whenever Cephalid Illusionist becomes the target of a spell or ability, its controller mills the top three cards. It has another ability, which doesn't come up a lot, uh, where it's like two and a blue, tap, target creature you control uh, gets gaseous form, if y'all remember that aura back from Alpha. Um, prevents all combat damage that would be dealt to and dealt by target creature. That's correct. So, um, usually doesn't come up, but there are obviously corner cases everywhere in Magic. So, that combo, you can arbitrarily, because the cost of the Encore ability is just zero in colon, and it can target something, and the only effect is that it's setting up a future damage redirection effect, or a, a future replacement effect, you can just arbitrarily target any creature you control as many times as you want at instant speed. So the idea is, is you just can repeatedly target your illusionist and just mill three cards over, three cards at uh, mill cards over three cards at a time. And from that, you move into what I call the B combo. And the B combo can be structured several different ways, but the the end goal is that you're going to flip over Dread Return, and then the smallest I've seen it get effectively is you Dread Return for a ser uh, for a card that then sets up a series of plays. And it'll, uh, the three cards is the smallest package I've gotten, uh, plus the Dread Return. So the one that I chose to use is Angel of Glory's Rise, which is, I don't even know what set, maybe Avacyn Restored or something. It is, it is. I'll, I'll um, leave it here. So it's, so it's five white-white. Uh, when Angel of Glory's Rise enters the battlefield, exile all zombies, not usually relevant, um, and then return all humans from your graveyard to the battlefield. And I think it's a five six or something. It's a four it's either, six. Yeah, a four six. Okay, yeah. it's it's got it's got a big butt. So you so, attack with this four five times. No, it really happens. <laughs> I, I have had to do that by mistake before. Um, that's a different story for possibly another time. So the <laughs> yeah, something like that. So uh, what you do is that so the angel comes into play and you bring back all your humans. Well, the humans of note that I had in the deck were Grand Abolisher, which is from M12, which basically says your opponent doesn't get to do anything during your turn. Uh, I get to bring back Recruiter of the Guard, which at this point, my deck's empty, doesn't really matter. I'm bearing the lead here a little bit, as you can tell. Uh, you bring back Hapless Researcher, which is a Judgment Uncommon or a Judgment Common that says sacrifice Hapless Researcher, draw a card, and discard a card. This is of uh, note been used in Blue-Black Reanimator, uh, in days past. And then the last one is Laboratory Maniac. So, empty light. So, you get all of these into play. You have an empty library. You sack the hapless researcher and you draw a card on an empty library and you win. Uh, other forms of the B combo that have used in the past, um, I think Joe Lissette was the one that I first saw using this, was you have Karmic Guide, which when you dread to return that, you bring back Kiki Jiki, which copies the Karmic Guide, which brings back Sky Hussar, which untaps Kiki Jiki 
and then you go nuts with Infinite Sky oh Sucks. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I didn't know that was the combo. There's, there's also the one that I don't see a lot. I think um, I've seen uh, on Brainstorm MTG on their Twitch channel, uh, there's a guy on there, L, uh, I think it goes by L, uh, ELD, is usually what, he, what he's tagged as, and he uses, uh, you dread return the Mimeoplasm, which exiles from your graveyard a Murderous Redcap and a Lord of Extinction. And what that does is you have it come into play as a Murderous Redcap that has extra plus and plus one counters equal to the power of Lord of Extinction, which is an ability that says in all zones, its power and toughness is equal to the total cards in all graveyards. So the idea is you bring in basically a giant Murderous Redcap and you dome them to the face, they die. Yeah. So there's this, uh, some people have tried to mess around with Lotleth Troll because... That one, you can just Dread Return the Lotleth Troll, and that brings it in just uh, the B-combo down to two cards. But you have to have enough creatures in the deck, and that can sometimes, when you're trying to combine the creatures that you use to actually set up the A-combo combined with all your cantrips to find the A-combo, sometimes you, it can be tough to get to enough creatures to make sure that that Lotleth Troll hits for at least the 20 damage you need without right. having your opponent you know, needing to fetch or take some attacks first, which is not as resilient. So, so. you, let, let's just, um, let's just take a, a, the, the deck that you played, though. So, yes. um, this deck, you mentioned Joe Lissette, you mentioned some other people. This deck was around, I guess, probably when Dread Return was printed, because Dread Return just makes everything awesome, right? Um, those, yes. these, these cards are all old bordered cards, and there's been various combos you could use to win, you know, ever since Dread Return was printed or, or whatever. Um, but so this is a deck with some history that has fallen off. What made you decide to play it for this event? Why did you want to bring this out of retirement, so to speak? So kind of what I, my, my thought process was, so I have a lot of range. I'm not necessarily like proficient in lots of different things, but combo decks are kind of my, kind of my wheelhouse. And I heard a lot of buzzing between this podcast and that podcast that, um, and there's some other murmurings around town that, Based off of how uh, graveyard hate was being, uh, what graveyard hate was being used, and what decks were going to be played, that perhaps Dredge was going to be a solid choice for this GP. And my thought was, well, I could play Dredge because I have the cards for that, but I don't have as many reps with Dredge, and I have actually played Cephalid Breakfast in some local events <laughs> before, and. It's still a dread return. It's still a deck that you can use like a dread return combo in, but you get force of will and days in the deck too. Yep. And you get cantrips to help set things up. So I sacrifice average explosiveness because there still are. You can just turn one in core, turn two cephalid illusionist, and get them. Um, if the sort of if the you know the door's open. But on the other hand, you can also go a little bit longer. You can use brain. You can use uh, brainstorm and some ponders to help kind of sculpt. You have recruiter of the guard to help tutor out pieces. And you can kind of uh, take a little bit longer to set it up and make sure that you have things like the days and the force of will to help you make sure that things get through. Somebody taps out at the wrong moment, all of a sudden, end of turn, you're violing in a guy and untapping with force of will back up and going off. So I just figured that maybe uh, I'd be able to have a bit more resilient of a combo deck uh, from that point. Uh, so that was kind of my thought process for where to go with this. The GP's been, it's been a while since the GP now, so we don't have to go through everything, but I just want to say that you did send us what happened to the GP. It goes lost to Moonstompy, win to Reanimator, yes. win to St win to Stoneblade, lost to Depths, win to Jund, 
lost to Delver Blade. So you went three and three, which is look. I mean, <laughs> one can I, argue for this deck that that is above average, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, uh, I was actually just listening to uh, to uh, Leaving Legacy and Pat Ugla was talking about how most people scrub out of tournaments. And three and three is a respectable day with Cephalid Farms. You got you got your six rounds of Magic, and you got to have some fun. And you basically, um, in fact, it's funny because I would have thought that decks like Moonstompy and uh, I thought would have thought Moonstompy would be a pretty good matchup, just because of what you said. Like you could just turn one Encore, turn two um, uh, Illusionist, and you know the door is open. I'm assuming he just got you with some sort of horrifying Moonstompy draw in both games. Yeah, or perhaps game a one, line in game yeah. two. Game one was a. Uh, I think I was on the. Let me uh, take a real quick look here. Let's see. So yeah, I was on the draw against them in game one. Yeah. And I mold the five, and he opened on Chalice on one, and I didn't have a way to stop that. Yeah. And I didn't. And in game one, I have I think no answers. Oh, I have one Venser. I have one Venser in the main deck that I could maybe, if I have enough time bounce the chalice and then try to do things, assuming he doesn't get any kind of other lock pieces that could stop me from, from getting there. And then in game two, um, so it looks to me from the notes, it looks kind of like he had an ancient tomb. So I'm getting that one. I don't remember what he did on his second turn, but he definitely let another, he got another chalice on one that I couldn't stop. And then he got a chalice on two down. And at that point, like, I think I had to bring in, I had, uh, what did I have? So I had like Stern Proctor and Disenchant and yeah. some things like that. Like I, at that point, I'm just like, all right, I'm, I'm dead in the water now. I can't even like daze anything. I just, yeah. So that well, was, either so way, I, just, I, I would say yeah. respectable, <laughs> respectable showing for this deck. Phil, have you ever played against Cephalid Breakfast? Oh, did we lose Phil? No, sorry. I'm, I'm trying to think of the a time where I've played specifically against Cephalid Breakfast. The last time I the last time I did, it was playing the Lab Maniac B combo, but it was doing it with a zombie after Angel of Grace brought it back. Yeah, some people yes, I have I have done that version before. I opted not to use a zombie this time. Well, actually, Hep. Oh, I, I was I was curious to ask what the, the the recruiter of the guard is. That just a when you like bring that back? Is there just a, a bullet for like your earlier utility creatures? Yeah, it's it's for it's for earlier in the game. It's because it can find both parts of the A combo because both of those are one ones, and then it can also find or and also the I had a shaman encore as an alternate encore in case somebody needled the nomads and recruiter can find that, and then it also can find like the the main deck abolisher, the revoker, and the venser as well. Yeah, the the, the recruiter of the card is really cool. I liked that. And it, you mentioned a zombie, a zombie, Phil, but even like the, uh, the using hapless researcher, I mean, all it has to do is be in your graveyard. So you can play it on turn one and use it to dig for your combo because it's going to come back anyway. You could also use it to discard either your dread return or your angel or your lab man that's stuck in your hand. Yeah. So it's a way that it, it's a way besides cabal therapy to help get those combo pieces out of your hand. Also, if you have abolisher coming into play off of the angel, you don't really need the alternate way to draw a card because normally with a zombie you can you know in response to removal you could so you can tap a zombie draw a card on the empty library and then if they try to remove it you tap the lab man in response but if you have the abolisher in play there is no in response that you need yeah right 
Um, no, I like, I li actually, it's, 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 it's great. I think you actually took this deck that has used, you know, a zombie as a flashy card, you know, to triple True. blue, really nice art, you know, Mine's big time Spanish. legend. Yeah. Right. And, but you like, you're like, your deck is, seems a lot more streamlined. So it is like, you know, I, I said like you chose to, to take this deck here, but you put a lot of thought into it and definitely made decisions based on the ability that you thought that you could actually do well. And, um. I think uh, I really think getting three wins at a Legacy Grand Prix in 2019 with Cephalid Breakfast is really is 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 nice and you know I, I definitely have said like I've played quote real decks and and scrubbed out of that of big tournaments so hey you know more power to you man I think that's awesome. Let me tell you something, brother. You're here listening to this Eternal Dirtles podcast, but what you need to do is go over to Eternal Dirtles Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Eternal Dirtles, and show your support, brother. Yeah. Um, have you thought Have you thought to continue with the deck now um, with uh, War of the Spark coming out? I wonder if, the, if, the, if anything about in that has changed uh, your, your plans here. I have actually. Um, so I let's see. Uh, deck builders being slow. Mm, all right, there we go. Uh, let's see. So I actually did have a. I have a draft. I've played this in um, last Sunday. We had a local three rounder, and I kind of crashed and burned in that one. Um, but I do have some learnings that I took away from it. So. I kind of re uh, reoriented the deck a little bit. I, I've bought some Teferi Time Ravelers because this is a this is a deck I think that while I know there's been some talk in miracles of like using it out of the sideboard potentially for blue white mirrors and things like that. Uh -huh. I think this deck actually ben can benefit from having that effect main deck as a way to it's kind of like having a grand abolisher that can't be swords to plowshared. Um, because if you start going off, like, if it's my turn, you can only do stuff at sorcery speed, you know, too bad. And this is so, one of the few, like, naturally blue-white combo decks that really benefits from, you know, shutting off. You mean, you have Teferi in play, and Teferi is just a ridiculous card in certain situations anyway. But right. you, you're going you're gonna to win in a turn. And, the, like, a Teferi hits the board, you could win that turn. So Right, exactly. I mean... Um... I guess Rip Helm's the only one that really yeah. comes to mind that I can think of. And that's that's almost like that's like if you call miracles, you know, in the old days where Entreat was the big finisher a combo deck. Like yeah. you're talking this isn't really a control deck. I mean you're playing you, this is you're playing Force of Will and Days, but you're not like there's no removal that I can see in here. Maybe your original Only deck out of the sideboard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So the Teferi, so the Teferi is nice, right? Because it acts as the Grand Abolisher. Um, it's a little easier to cast. Trying to set up white white is actually pretty tough for the weight. This deck runs a lot of blue pips, and trying to make my mana base able to stretch to be able to cast my main deck Grand Abolisher, I think has made my mana a little bit sketchy at times. However, Teferi alleviates that because now I'm down to I don't have any white white cards in the main, and I don't even think in this version I have anything with double white out of the sideboard. Not only um, that, you can bounce Chalice or Graph Digger's Cage or, or Leyline. Leyline, yeah. That that was where I was going next. Yeah. So having the in the main, 
I actually have one in the sideboard as well in this configuration. I was running a two-one split, and that was, and some of it is because you know, depending on what I'm up against, I can use it. I can just minus three with no targets, draw a card, or I can just let him sit there and play, and I can just take him up to basically just kind of to to absorb creatures attacking it while trying to uh, set things up. Um, Deferi perform didn't. Um, it got countered a lot because I played against Blue Red Delver on Sunday, and he. I don't know if I ever really had a Teferi stick in play. And against the other deck I played against was Death and Taxes, which we had a draw because we went to time. But Plus they have which main board Revoker for Nomads Encore. <laughs> this particular guy also runs main deck Aethersworn Canonist, so he's yeah. just like, he really doesn't like combo <laughs> decks. <laughs> so yeah. um, so that, was a, that was a bit tough. Uh, I did take a game off him because he... Needled and revoked on Cephalid Illusionist because he didn't understand. So that was uh, technically that's a game I probably shouldn't have won. Well, but... no, it has an activated ability. You couldn't you couldn't gash his formula. Couldn't gash his. I mean, you can name something that has no activated abilities and it's still legal. <laughs> I know, but I know. But it, it, it's a little. Did... It's a, It's just a little bit of a feel bad. He did like, technically. Like, you know, as soon as I started comboing off, he's just like, oh, I see. He did technically shut off an a a, a, a ability of Cephalid Illusionist. Right. Yeah, um, but um, but yeah. So the way the way the, the rest of the deck I filled out, I actually cut the recruiter package um, when I was doing the, the the version with Teferi. So I upped the number of Narcabibas. I maxed that out to four. I actually brought my Ponder count up to four, where it was two before. And I actually threw go, a Chase Wielder of Mysteries in there just to test things out, but that didn't really ever hit the board. So. <laughs> Well, when you have all recruiters and everything, you actually find that uh, squeezing all of the creatures you want in there, something has to go, and it turns out Ponder is the thing that gets squeezed out. Cut lands. Cut monarch <laughs> cut. emblems. Don't hey, cut Ponders. <laughs> um, for Aether Vial, is that the, uh, was that what you played on Sunday? Yeah, I still have the Aether Vials in there, because that's still, you know, you're, you're cheating on mana with Vial, and being able to... Um, it also frees up that if you have the vial on the right number, sometimes you can do something like, you know, your vial's on two, so you can play your Nomad in core, and then you can ponder to try to find the Illusionist, um, things like that. So it, it definitely, it's kind of like a way to ramp your mana so that you can have access to more tools when you're trying to combo off. Yeah, I, I, I can see where that, I can see where that is. Plus you can get it up to seven and just tap your Angels of, Angel of Glory's Rise into play if you need to. Um, I've never done that, but <laughs> I've but, attacked with it, but I haven't filed it in. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it's funny that you mentioned you made a mistake and had to attack with it a few times. I wonder how you got cards back into your library. So what happened was, is so this wasn't in the GP. This was actually um, so leading up to the GP, I've played a few. I played a couple of F and M's with the deck um, to try to get a feeling for sideboard cards and matchups. Um, to help me to help inform the sideboard guide that I'm the sideboard map that I made up and what happened was is the first time that I was playing it the lap the, the last time I played the deck I was running the Sky Hussar Karmic Guide Kiki Jiki version yeah and in that version you don't actually have to mill your whole library you just have to mill until you have all four things to the the dread return and then the other three creatures so my brain I milled until I had the lab man, the happy, the dread return, and the um, angel. And then I dread returned to the angel. I looked at my, and I went, I was like, I'm going to draw a card. And I look at my library and I go, oh shit, this doesn't work. 
<laughs> and I was like, All right, and this was against the Moon Stompy player as it happened. And they just couldn't put together, they couldn't, def- they couldn't beat a 4-6 flyer. So I just, I attacked for, I think, three turns because they had, you know, Ancient Tomb down their life total a little bit. And I happened to get there. You couldn't just redo the combo and, uh, or did you sacrifice uh, all your illusionists to Dread Return? So it was either, either the Encore or the Illusionist was one of the creatures that I sacrificed <laughs> okay. in addition to some Narc Amoebas, So I couldn't continue going. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a funny it's a funny puppet. It's like you know what, you're playing red stompy. I've got a four six flyer. You deal with it. Right. <laughs> so. That's why when you screw up, you don't just shame scoop. You look and see if you have an out still. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. Great. Well, we've got about I think uh, twenty minutes before Phil gets on. Um, before Phil gets on his plane, so I did want to switch to a little bit because I know you've done so much work on um, Tinfin's combo decks. I've played your Ice Station Zebra list every time I've had success with Tin Fins, so thank you for that. Um, Ice Station Zebra being the, the Tin Fins combo that also has Dark Depths, and that's the only one I could figure out how to operate correctly. So, um, Because it's like you said, like, so I just screw up, and I'm just like, ah, whatever, I'm just going to make it 2020, so we'll just do that instead. There you go. But um, And you played that in, you said, some of the side events. Um, I'm curious how you feel that uh, Tin Fins variants are positioned right now. Um, especially given the War of the Spark release. A um, bit of a, I don't know what order these are going to come out, but we've recorded two podcasts this week. Last night recorded with uh, Chase Hansen, um, who is Strifo and does the uh, the four-color deck deck. And one of the things we've been asking a lot of our guests recently is War of the Spark just has so many bombs and so many interesting cards that it's really shaking up legacy. So if you're the kind of person who has you know pet decks or decks that you're working hard on, you know what are you looking at from War of the Spark uh, in your case for Tinfin's? So for Tinfins, I haven't seen a ton of people talking about things going into the various uh, Tinfins decks. The only thing that I've kind of... uh, There was a little bit of murmurings for the actual traditional Tinfins, because that sometimes sideboards into like a mentor plan. Yeah. So something like Sahili could be kind of interesting, um, either alongside of a mentor or instead of a mentor, um, as something because... You don't have to rely as much on the on having a white splash in the sideboard, um, or you could open you it could open up something like a red splash depending on what kind of hate you're expecting to play against. Um, so, and then also if you are doing the white splash, something like Teferi, I don't know, maybe that's something that could be in the sideboard uh, against control decks. No, I'll be honest, the traditional tin fins doesn't get a ton of traffic these days. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, Tinfins I consider an archetype that uses Grizzlebrand and Shallowgrave. I think the original Tinfins decks are have now sort of moved on, mostly because as people tinkered with it, you know, they found these more... I don't want to say more fun. Because there's almost nothing more fun than Shallowgraving in a Grizzlebrand. Um, I don't know. Magus the Mind is pretty high. Mag- that's what I'm saying. Like, Magus the Mind is awesome. Like, you'll just, like, playing that. So, um, I actually have Sahili takes, if you would like to hear them. Um... I, I tried uh, to play Sahili in like a black red tokens deck, like a high velocity, um, you know, sort of spell deck with Sahili instead of Mentor, where I've played Mentor in the past with cards like Light Up the Stage and Faithless Looting, right. Cabal Therapy. And I will say those that decks looked really interesting. They and I, I actually did okay with them, um, about five hundred. I will say that Sahili is tough. But, like, there's a lot of weird quarter cases where the copying actually matters. Like, 
it, I had, mon like, especially with Monastery Swiss Spear, which was in my deck, um, you, copying a Monastery Swiss Spear and then churning through some spells can make a few bigger creatures that become a bigger threat. Um, and uh, obviously the fact that it stays in play after, you know, a board wipe and lets you rebuild um, is, is nice as well. But I, I still think Mentor is a more powerful card in a vacuum. And I st think that since the Tinfin's decks tend to play... Um, Children of Coralis, and you're already playing white. Now I know that you don't always cast Children of Coralis, but um, sure. I just feel like Mentor is is probably the best iteration of that effect. But Sahili is an interesting card, and I bet I imagine Sahiliing like, um, like if you have to attack with Grizzlebrand, draw a bunch of cards, um, and you want to like Sahili into an untapped one. I don't know. Actually, don't. It does work because I think it's until your next turn. But um, anyway, I don't know. But yeah. So anything else on the variants that you think? Uh, or what about how they're positioned right now in the War of the Spark meta? That might be the the question. The, the... So I haven't I haven't taken a look at the so for Magic Online I haven't looked at the challenge results. Um, what was in the top eight there? A lot but I've of, seen a lot. A lot I've seen a lot of people trying out. I've seen a lot of people trying out Karn Lattice. Yeah. Um, that might be a little slow. So if you have a way to disrupt their ability to Chalice early, maybe there's a way to like push through. Um, I don't know. It's a, we have to kind of see how the graveyard hate shakes out. Cause, uh, do we think that? Do, well, I was going to ask with the the Karn Lattice decks. Do we think that that Karn Creator is just going to become like the de facto best Chalice list because it's the most flexible? Maybe. Because like I was just seeing a bunch of uh, people doing like you know eight Karn Chalice decks or Karn Lattice decks or like. Uh, Karn with like other uh, artifact combo pieces out of the board, or like lot more lock pieces out of the board. I don't know. It, it, like looking at it, I'm I, I'm thinking that once uh, you know, come as uh, the next SEG or uh, Atlanta coming up in a couple of months, that the the Chalice deck that's going to have the most, uh, I guess, popularity, the most heat on, it is going to be variants of Carnage. Well, I think yeah, Karn is just a, it's a compact, it's a compact package too. Like uh, a lot of decks, it's a can, one turn combo. Yeah, it can play. It's a one card combo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like a lot of decks can just sort of incidentally drop it in. I was also thinking that people were going to be playing Karn Lattice in just also any type of control deck. You know, it does. Like, it does seem like it's kind of the best way to mid range. Yeah, it's it a is. really it's hard, hard way to mid range. I, I mean, even outside of. Uh, Chalice lists, it's just one of those things where if you're playing a control deck, like if you like slam your Karn on four, and it's like gonna be good incidentally against a couple of combo decks, like how does ANT beat a Karn if they can't LED? Uh, or Lotus Petal. Well, the thing is, you're gonna, you can also, you don't have to Karn for Mycosynth Lattice, you can Karn for Trinisphere and just put it into play, you know, if you have that turn. But even, ju but even just it shutting off those artifacts without even. Oh, I see what you're saying. Latticing or Trinisphering. Like, yeah. it's just the fact that you can't even, like, you can't, uh, you're not going to be able to, if you have no land drops, you can't add Nauseam and then hope, and hope you hit a pedal as your initial mana source yeah. for post-add Nauseam. I will say that, yeah, last night I tried to play, uh, well, I played Bomberman with the, with the multiple Karn package, and the first game I won on, like, turn three because I had the old, the, the Karn from Dominaria that let me exile cards, um, and then I had the other Karn, so I basically, like, I X on the one turn I played the first Karn, 
I exiled an Oriok Salvagers. On the next turn, I played the second Karn. I returned the Oriok Salvagers to my hand. Or I played a Lotus Petal, made mana with it, returned the Oriok Salvagers to my hand, did the infinite combo with the LED in my graveyard, then wished for Walking Ballista and won. And I was like, this is the most busted thing I've ever seen. Then in game two, my opponent, who was playing Blue-Red Delver, just put an actual Null Rod into play on turn two, and I lost. So, like, there's it, it, there's an interesting tension there with a lot of the people moving to the Karn decks that, you know, Null Rod, the original Null Rod is still a pretty good card, and uh, especially if other people are trying to use a lot of artifacts. So it's interesting, you know, we might see an adjustment to that soon. Fire Null Rods now. Yeah, right. But the, the, the card that... Uh, oh, sorry, Phil, let you finish. Well, I, no, I was just going to point out that on that is the way, like, if Karn, beca- if Karn proves to be as good as we think he is, and then, you know, that means that incentivizes people who aren't playing Karn to be playing their Null Rods, that the there then is the incentive to be playing your Karn combo pieces or lock pieces that don't require activated abilities. You right. know, like Michaelson Lattice is, is an artifact, but really it's, it's, its effect is an enchantment. You know, it doesn't actually require any activation. So it's like, I think people like move towards those pieces to like try and blank opposing no rods. If Karn proves to be as good as I, I mean, personally, I think he is. Well, the, the hard thing is going to be that then if they have a no rod in play and you play a mycosynth lattice, the entire board is dead. Nothing, no one's doing anything. <laughs> because right, but, you're, you're, but, but your Karn can plus to turn your artifacts into beater. No, you can't because your Karn is an artifact. Because mycosynth lattice makes everything into an artifact, including Karn. Oh wow! I got got. Yeah, um, I got 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 on this. I, I will say that I know we got we got a bit of a Karn tangent. I do want to get back to a, a card that I think interacts unfavorably with Tinfins. But um, just to just to say that like Hercules Recall has been you know that's that's a blowout when when a Microsynth Lattice enters play. I've seen that uh, yeah. shout out to Callum Smith who I think executed that. Um, you know by floating his mana and then casting it once the Microsynth Lattice hit the table. Um, and I think that the Karn, the Karn package being so compact is going to means that it's not just a matter of like, what does this slot into? There can be whole decks that are built to optimize it. Now, the card I was thinking of that has also seen a lot of play um, from, uh, from War of the Spark and interacts unfairly with Tinfins is Narset <laughs> because that does not let you draw cards and you need to draw like 40 cards. So, you know... Like Narset being in the format, it is it is a three mana play, and and everything. But you know, a blue deck is gonna is gonna delay you just long enough until they can stick a Narset. I think that might be trouble. But then you always... we do run a lot. Tinfins will run a lot of discard too, yeah. so that might not be as robust a solution. I definitely think that. I mean, Tinfins is always is always been a deck that, in many cases, the longer the game goes. Um, the more permanents that hit the battlefield, the more likely the Tin Fins deck is probably going to lose. For sure. Yep. I, I mean, it, it, it's it's one of those decks that does that, but it is it is a very fun deck with with fun lines. And I just, you know, as much as I dislike Grizzlebrand being in the format, I wish that you could. There, I wish there was like a rule where you could only play it with Shallow Grave or something, because I think the tension with Shallow Grave is 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 nice for the format. But it's not that like it doesn't just leave it in play. Um, right. But, but yeah, I mean, it's um. I think my take is kind of going to be this, and I think I've heard uh, Josh Bingaman has, uh, has said something close to this before, so I'm not going to totally put words in his mouth. But Tin Fins and its variants, in a lot of ways, can be very good for things like the Magic Online Leagues, 
or for like uh, shorter local events like an FNM or a daily, where if you're the, the more rounds you have, the more likely the inherent variance in the deck is going to bite you at some point. Yeah. For and sure. I think that's going to remain true. And I think it's something where you just have to kind of keep an eye on what your local meta is doing or what the MTGO meta is doing as far as um, what kind of graveyard hate you're seeing or permanent based hate you're seeing to, because you have a lot of flexibility, just like Storm, you have a lot of flexibility in what sideboard cards you can pick, whether it's Echoing Truths or Hercules Recalls um, or Serenity or whatever. Serenity is a funny one too. That also reset the board under a lattice. Wow, Serenity under a lattice sounds insane. Or that pulverize. Down. We're gonna Second cut. We're gonna cut that from the podcast. Everything. We're gonna cut that in editing so that I can do it first. No, I'm just kidding. There you go. <laughs> Serenity but, the board, yeah. and then like, so. um, ooh, what what happens? How do you win? Oh, you put an Academy Rector, and then you Serenity the board. Oh, jeez. No. Um. Anyway, no. You're right. I think that. Uh. I think that's true. Um. But you are the uh, Tid Fins expert, so it's nice to have you in. Now, the variants that we talk about, there's traditional Tin Fins, then there's the Bizarro Stormy, which is the one that plays Magus it's of the kinda, Mind? It's, it's Magus of the Mind, yeah. And it's kind of like, yeah. like Anton steroids, yeah. in a way. Um, Ice Station Zebra, which plays a Dark Depths combo, which I think is still the most resilient build of Tin Fins, though it's not always as explosive. It lacks the cantrips. But it has the it's it's the one of the most two card Monty ish of decks in Legacy right now. Yep, and then yeah. Martian Law, which plays Burning Wish. Right, so that's something that uh, it's mostly championed by this guy Scott Poo or Pow. I don't know how you pronounce his name. Anyway, um, so that one it basically it it's kind of like if you took Black Red Reanimator and you took out the things like the Unmasks and the Chancellors and. All, and you just tried to, and you set up a Burning Wish package just to try to answer things. So it still is running like the Faithless Looting and things like that. Yeah. Right. Um, cool. Also, there's a variant of that called Martian Doom, where you run Doomsday. <laughs> you run Doomsday, because of course, why yeah. not? And I think he, do, and I think he does it with like a Manamorphose Lab Man Edge of Autumn pile, something like that. Oh, I love Edge of Autumn. Yeah, that's funny. Um, the new deck that's coming out that isn't necessarily the same thing as a Tinfin's deck is uh, Bolas' Citadel combo. That's called, for the moment, Black Metal Church Burning, which I don't know how familiar you guys are with Black Metal, but I laughed out loud for sure when I saw the list. And this is the, the Bolas' Citadel deck that people are working on. I personally love Bolas' Citadel, and I think it's incredibly busted. I just have not had time to work on it. Um but it seems no, like I haven't worked on it a ton either. Yeah, but myself personally. Yeah, we're seeing this this deck that you posted. We'll put it in the show notes. That has Goblin Welder, Kudotha Forge Master, um, and then Aetherflux Reservoir as sort of a win condition that helps you gain life. So um, I mean, you've you know, also just got Tendrils of Agony that you can eventually get to or past in flames. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point, you just kind of reach a critical mass of of storm, and you just find a way. You kind of find a way to win. I guess, for lack of a better way to put it. One of the interesting um, things about what war, what's coming out of war, is that there's there's these all these cards that are like first level obvious are going to be good, right? And that's your Teferi, Narset, Karn, right? And then there was that, and so those went into decks, and people started to have to adjust to them. Then you started seeing things like Blast Zone, which I think is was I think we underrated it in our set review, and I'm sorry for that because I did not really quite fully appreciate how 
putting X counters at a time on it was going to be insane. And I've seen a bunch of like um, blast zones on 10 to blow up omniscience's. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, You've got a bunch of cloud posts. That's all I need. Um, And then, you know, then you have these other cards that are like, I think Bolas and Citadel is clearly broken and is a card that that can be that or that can be broken. Um, You know, Dreadhorde Arcanist, uh, the new Ashiok. There's a lot of cards that are like that third level that we just haven't gotten to yet. And before we even get a chance to do all that, we're going to get Modern Horizons, which should be out in, in full in about a month, which could introduce some more legacy cards. So it's a very, very unsettled, unsettled time. time. Yeah. Cabal Therapist. Cabal Therapist, that's right. I still maintain that card is bad. Nick Fit doesn't want it. <laughs> Nick Fit, is Nick Fit playable in a, in a world with Bolas and Citadel being legal? Now you could Nick Fit into your Bolas and Citadel. You still have the problem of when you run into lands. <laughs> that's why the, uh, the only thing I've gotten so far that I've been gold fishing, and I don't know how this doesn't die to Force of Will, but I have what I've called, dubbed citadel combo where the first two letters are si for spanish inquisition yes so this is a deck and with basic, one land <laughs> and it's basically so it's using tall men which are like the uh, zero drop artifact creatures yep um diabolic intent calling the weak masterminds acquisition um and basically the idea and uh yeah four children of, this is a four children of corliss deck so you know it's got to be good yeah uh, and yeah, so the idea is you just eventually you kind of what we call onion bursting off the Bolas's Citadel. If you can get your Children of Corlys's going, you pay a bunch of life to play a bunch of spells, you ring all back. But it, the the mana is definitely sketchy because you're trying to work off of Lotus Petal, Chrome Mox, Land Grant, and a single Bayou. Might so have to, I'm might not have to get prepared. Some spirit guides in there. Yeah, I'm not pre- I'm not prepared to call this deck uh, completed, uh, ready to go yet. <laughs> it's a good idea though. I'm actually going to take a look at it. I love Diabolic Intent, but yeah. Um, great. Well, Matt, uh, thank you so much for coming on. We're going to cut it off here right about uh, 45 minutes. So, um, it's been a blast. Uh, Phil, I know you got to get on your plane. Hey guys. Thanks. Thanks for having me on while I was at the airport. Matt, pleasure to have you. Always good talking to you, Phil. Um, Matt, we will, um, before you go, did you want to put in a plug for the Arizona eternal scene here? I know you guys are doing a lot of a lot of work on building the uh, the the tournament. There's a local tournament series in Legacy that with a, with an eventual championship. Is that correct? Yeah. Let me uh, pull it up real quick. Uh, websites. And I feel bad because I I you know I, I live like an hour flight away now in Utah, and I I wanted to go, but I now that I'm moving, I just ran out of weekends, so I got to come from Texas. But I do want to make it out at one point. I mean, it seems like you guys have a have a blast out there, and uh, you know. Everyone that I've met from the area has always been super nice and really supportive of the cast. And so, you know, I feel like I want to pay it forward a little bit. So hopefully I'll be able to make it to one before the end of the year. Yeah. So the, uh, so yeah, the, uh, some of the guys locally have, uh, have kind of banded together to, uh, help keep legacy, uh, help keep some, uh, some bigger legacy events going. Um, they call it the, a- the AZEM Legacy Series. Uh, you can find the schedule at uh, azeternalmagic.com. And then uh, in the menu, you can look up the uh, Legacy events. And the next one we have is on June 2nd. Uh, and it's what we call a city championship. So depending on, uh, during this series, you can get points. And the championship, the city champ winners combined with the point leaders, I forget how many spots get it. I'm sure it says somewhere on, on this website. Uh, get to go to an invite-only tournament in November. 
And so the next one is June 2nd, and that's at Snapcasters Gaming and Espresso. And the last two championships that we've had this year had 54 and 57 players. We get people from all over the valley. Um, we get a really good diversity of decks. Uh, and the one following that is going to be in July, and that's going to be at Amazing Discoveries Gilbert. Yep. So I, I definitely want to. I definitely want to say. I think that you know, if you're listening to this, and you know, maybe you're on the East Coast, but like you know, 50, 50, 50 plus players for a legacy tournament in a place there's not a lot of drivable big cities is really nice. And you guys have done a great job of. Uh, this is sanctioned legacy, correct? So this is not. Oh yeah, this, yeah, this is, is sanctioned this is, uh, legacy. No, it's not yeah, like it's no, proxy series or anything like that. No proxies allowed in these tournaments. Yeah, so I mean, they've done a really great job. I think down there of building a really, really nice community and. Uh, you know, it's it's uh it's great to see uh you know players like yourself, um you know who really uh are are taking the initiative to uh to spread the word about it. So great. Did you have anything yeah, else you had, wanted to plug? We got some I, real I ringers asked. here too. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know if you had any anything else you wanted to uh, plug or anything like that before we got off. But uh, I mean, if you're ever in Phoenix, uh, we've got legacy events that fire at various stores across the valley almost every day of the week. Some are proxy, some are not proxy, and we're always happy to have new legacy players keep the dream alive. Well, thanks so much, Matt, for coming on. Thanks, Phil, for dying from the airport. Um, I'm going to sign off here. Where does he get those wonderful toys?